It's been a good morning. Thank you for your contribution to that. I especially enjoyed the slides today. Pastor Mark, it's good to know that at one time in his life, well, probably four times in his life, Pastor Jerry grew a real mustache. We saw that. We saw that from those slides today. That Let's go with me, please, to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. What to do in a time of need. First Baptist Church of Columbia Falls is in a time of need. That's not a bad thing. That's not a negative thing. We won't review our Sunday school or the morning message with those of you who are visiting, but we reminded the people that there is a sense in which this church right now is in the center of Satan's bullseye for trouble. And yet that's only a small part. We won't even say the other half. No, that's just a small part. The big part is this church is in the center of God's bullseye for blessing. This can be a wonderful time. This should be a wonderful time. It should be a time of growth. It should be a time of victory. Pastor Matt, I reminded the people of a conversation that we had when I reminded the people during our building program where you were our lead builder. And I would remind them, we're, we're in the center of Satan's bullseye during a building program. That can be a, a, a bad time. But again, that's not the big picture. The big picture was we're in the, center, in the center of God's bullseye for blessing. And Matt, it would have been a good thing for you to have been here today because there were a couple times where you may have wanted to defend yourself. But that's behind us now. We're moving on. Don't you worry about it. Yo, yeah, don't you worry about it. What's the... Pardon me? It was a good one. If, if we, this should be true, if we talk about you behind your back, it'll be good. It'll be good. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Here's the need. It came to pass after this that the children of Moab, now just for the sake of brief commentary, that's a bad guy. This is a true story. It happened. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine to help us think right. This will help us think right in a time of trouble. It's good for doctrine. It's good for reproof to tell us when we're thinking wrong and going in the wrong direction. We can learn some of that from this passage. It's good for correction. The Bible doesn't just tell us we're going in the wrong way. Boy, that'd be a sad commentary. The Bible tells us what not to do. The Bible tells us when you're wrong. Let's go home now. You say, whoa, there's got to be something else. Yes, there is. It's good for doctrine to help you think right. It's good for reproof to tell you when you're not thinking or going in the right direction. It's good for correction to get you back going in the right direction. It's good for instruction in righteousness to keep you going in the right direction. We'll find all of that in here. And then the very next verse there in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17 says, So that the man of God, the person of God, may be thoroughly furnished. Do you realize that coming to church here today... There again, we can see two things. There's a negative sense, because you'll be more accountable to God when you leave than when you came in. But that's a small part, because you will respond. So it's an exciting thing to be here and realize that this is part of God's program for causing you to be an individual 
that is, is equipped, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so the need came. He's a bad guy. The Moabites are bad guys. The children of Ammon, bad guys. Some of the Ammonites, bad guys. They came against Jehoshaphat. He's the good guy. So that, that kind of sets the stage for us. Then there came some who said to Jehosh, told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee. Now this includes those we've read about. But more than that, there cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea unto this side of Syria. And behold, are they in Hazazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jeho- so this is the bad news. We're not in a position of bad news here, but we're in a time of need. Here's the time of need. What did Jehoshaphat do? So we need to realize that troubles or uncertainties can be a good thing. Need can be a good thing. What did he do? What do we do in a time of need? Well, first of all, he established a purpose. Look at verses 3 and 4. And Jehoshaphat feared, that's a good thing, and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. He began to fast. He began to seek God's help, secondly. He began to ask for God's help. These are things that we need to be doing, even if it's not bad stuff that comes our direction. Do we really have a purpose? As you walk day by day, do you have a purpose? Uh, How are you doing in regard to your relationship with Christ? I'm making an assumption that we know Christ as Savior. Has there been a time in your life when you can look back and you can look at that time where you made a decision and you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? And then is that relationship growing? Is that relationship getting better? Or is it stagnant and is it good enough? There's a danger among us. Well, this is certainly true today when we have so many good churches represented here. The danger is that most of us here know enough to get by without learning any more. I hope you're saying, well, that's a bad thing, right? Yeah, that's a bad thing. Do you still have a purpose? Are you still learning? Are you still growing? Are you still deepening your relationship with Christ in your personal lives, in your family relationship? What about your relationship with the Word of God? It's important. Are you still learning? What about prayer? How is our prayer life? Are we learning? Are we growing? Are we recognizing that prayer is so much more than just going to God and asking for stuff? Prayer should be interactive. It's basically true. Don't conk somebody in the head if they say it wrong. It's basically true that when we read the word, God is speaking to us. And when we pray, we're speaking to God. That's basically true. But I'd like to suggest that's way oversimplified. When we're reading the word, yes, God is speaking to us, but I trust in our relationship with the word, that's two-way. And when we're praying, yes, we're speaking to God, but I trust that's also two-way. It's not that we're hearing an audible voice. It's not that we're seeing writing in the sky. But our prayer should be interactive. How are you doing in regard to establishing a purpose? John chapter 8, verse 29, he says, He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. Listen to this. We should aspire to this. For I do always those things that please him. Wow. You know what I'm afraid of? We read a verse like that and say, Wow, that was Jesus. He was the God man. 
we, we can't do always those things that please him. We can strive to always do those things that please him. John chapter 9, verse 4. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is yet day. None of us know how much time we have. For night time cometh when no man can work. We all have limited time. That's a purpose. John chapter 17, verse 4. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work thou gavest me to do. There, there again, don't make the mistake saying, well, that was Jesus and, and he was the God man. No, that's for us. We need to realize in highlighting those verses that Jesus Christ did not do everything that everyone else thought he should do. Some people thought Jesus should be a military conqueror. Some people thought Jesus was going to take over the government. Jesus didn't do what everybody else thought he could do. Neither will you. Jesus did do everything his father wanted him to do. And we can aspire to that as ourselves. We can do that as well. I'm not talking about sinless perfection here. Don't just give it up and say, well, I can't do that. We're not perfect. One of those things that I realize, I'm still learning, of course, as far as establishing a purpose, the people in life that mean the most to us most often demand the least. Think, of, think about it. I, I began to realize this when I went off to college. I was working as a millwright at Keebler Cookies six days a week. That's right, I'm an elf. You can tell by my cheeks. And my boss demanded that I punch that time clock. I was going to college. And my professors demanded that I have the work done. My pocketbook demanded it too. I, I was 25 years old when I went to college and I used to look at these young guys that mom and dad was paying the bill and they didn't care. And I'm thinking, man, I'm paying $185 a, a credit hour, which was a lot back then. And think, I can't, I can't be doing that. They, they demanded that I do well. My wife never demanded that I spend time with her. My kids never demanded that I spend time with them. There's a sense in which the Lord never demanded. He didn't say, you spend your time with me or I'll break your legs. The, the people in life, the things in life, including the Lord, that, that, that those are the most important thing to us. Oftentimes they demand the least. Therefore, it's up to you. It's up to me to constantly be prioritizing and reprioritizing as we establish a purpose. Jehoshaphat teaches us something there. Look what he did next. What do you do in a time of need? He reviewed the past. I love, I love to review the past in my own life. But let me just look here at, at verse 5. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation. Now remember, they're being attacked. Humanly speaking, there's no way they can survive. All these nations are more powerful than they are. They're coming from all directions. Humanly speaking, it's hopeless. And so Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, now what's he doing here? Do not live in the past, but look over your shoulder and renew the past. And he said, O Lord God of our fathers, out there not our God in heaven, and rulest not over them all, the kingdoms of the nations? And in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Are not thou our God, and look at this, reviewing the past, Art thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of the land before thy people Israel and gave us the seed of Abraham thy father forever? 
They dwelt in it and have built a sanctuary. See, he looks over his shoulder and he reviews the past. And here's the conclusion. If you'll do this, dear people, God has never failed you ever. God has never made one parental mistake in any of your lives, but in any of the lives of all the believers all the way back to what we begin to read of those who followed the one true God. God has never made a parental mistake. I remember taking our oldest son, Scott. He had a grit paper out, teaching him responsibility. He said he was in a growth spurt, and he was growing taller, and he was skinny. And He said, Dad, I don't feel well. And I said, Son, you made a commitment. And I helped him get on his bicycle. I helped load that big bag of grit papers. And I actually helped him get going down the sidewalk on his bike. And off he went. And he delivered his papers. And two days later, found him in a hospital this close to a, a diabetic coma. We didn't know he had diabetes. What a huge parental mistake. In all, in all of my well-intentioned goals to take care of him. I want to teach him responsibility. A huge parental mistake. God's never done that. God allowed you to go through some stuff. God allowing you to go through some stuff. That's not a parental mistake. So consider, has God ever failed you? Romans 8.28. All things work together for good to those that love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. But you know, sometimes us, and I would... I don't mean this in a flattering tone, but when I say those of us, I mean Bible believers. I mean people who know their Bible. You know, sometimes we make a mistake in in insufficiently understanding that verse. I think sometimes the way we see it, all things work together for good. I go through some troubles. I get through the troubles. I look over my shoulder and God allows me in his graciousness, God allows me in his sovereignty to see how some of those things work out for good. And then I say, whoa, all things work together for good. Look at that. And while there is some benefit in that, I don't think that's the main thrust of the verse. The main thrust of the verse is I'm going through deep waters and I look this way and I can't see how it works out for good. I look this way, I look this way, I look all around me. I can't see how it works out for any good at all. And I say by faith, all things work together for good. What do you base that on? What evidence? No evidence is there. Evidence is here. Colossians 1.24, the Apostle Paul said, Who now rejoice in my sufferings? He didn't say, when I get through it, look over my shoulder and see how it works out for good. And so understand, dear people, as we review the past, God has never made a mistake. And that should give us courage to go to the future, especially during times of needs. Number three, appropriate his promises. I'm talking about the promises of the word of God. Jehoshaphat does that. He gives us a good example here. Look at verse 8. And they dwell in it and have built a sanctuary in it for thy name, saying, If, see what he's doing here, he's looking at the promises of God. If, when evil comes upon us as sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine... We stand before thy house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. In other words, God, 
I'm looking at your promises. And you said if we're in trouble, you'll help. And Lord, we're in trouble. We got people coming from all, all these nations to destroy the children of Judah. Verse 10. And now, behold, Lord, you said it. You said it. And now, behold, the children of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, whom thou wouldst not let Israel invade. There's some history here we'll not get into tonight, but that's an interesting story. Would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. They turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come and cast us out of thy possession. You see what he's doing? He's appropriate. God, God, you said this is our possession. And now they're coming to take it away from us. Which thou hast given us to inherit. So he looked over his shoulders and he appropriates the word of God. He appropriates, he appropriates present tense as well. The promises of God. Let me show you just briefly how that works as we, as we grow in faith. Because having faith, dear people, is not faith in faith alone. I have faith that thus and such will happen. Well, Bill, what do you base that on? Well, well, uh, well I, I close my eyes and I... I know God can do it. I just, and I have faith. And, and if we're not careful in our zeal and enthusiasm, we can have faith in faith alone. That's not faith. I just, I just believe enough. It's got to happen. That's not faith. Here's how faith happens. Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse 5. Now here's the promise. For God hath said, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I trust some individuals who are. They tell me that this verse, this word never, would have a five-fold repetitive impact. So if you read it literally, you would read, they, I will never leave thee, so God will never, you'd read it literally. I, God will never, no, never, no, never, no, never, no, never leave me nor forsake thee. That's how powerful that is. That's the promise. The rest of the verse, I just love the simplicity of this. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do unto me. Where'd you get an idea like that? God said he will never, no, never, no, never, no, never, no, never, and never leave us nor forsake us. You see the cause and effect there? I didn't just decide. I looked to the word of God. I get my confidence from the word of God. Colossians chapter 2 verse 10. We sang about being complete. That's a precious, precious song. Colossians 2 verse 10 says that we are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says, according as his divine power, he has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Those of you who are visiting, I shared with the people this morning that I've been saying for a couple of, a couple of decades, I've been looking through God's word, and I've shared this, I'm looking, I've shared this in a lot of your churches looking in God's word to determine what God says about me and then believe it and act accordingly. And within this last year, I told Terry, I said, sweetie, I think, I think we can start saying, I think we can start saying three decades. Been digging into God's word to find out what God's word says about me, not just the, the fun stuff. What about the warnings? Find out what God's word says about me and believe it and act accordingly. Look what God's word says about me. According as his divine power, he has given unto me all things that pertain to life and godliness? Wow! And sometimes I feel like saying, are you talking about me? 
And he is. Let's not go around as spiritual paupers. And dear people, I am not advocating any kind of name it and claim it. I'm not advocating any kind of prosperity theology. I'm just saying the resources are ours. Let's act accordingly. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If, and that word if in the King James is most often translated accurately, since, since God before us, who can be against us? And this is one of those cases where I, I wish I could say, all right, everyone just sit down and, and, and think about that. Let's all be quiet and think about that for five minutes. Since God is for us, who can be against us? And I know that's not practical to stop and think about it for five minutes here, but could I encourage you to be on your way? Well, not now. But when you go on down the road, just take time and pull over in life and think about it. If God be for us, who could be against us? Amazing. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. Thanks be to God who giveth us the victory. And we tied this in this morning, dear people. We're repeating some of these verses on purpose. Thanks be unto God who giveth us the victory. This is the same going back to Numbers chapter 13 where God says, Go into the land which I give. And literally it would be which I have given. When he sent the 12 spies into the land, go into the land which I have given. In God's mind, it was a done deal. And they failed and lost a whole generation wandering in the wilderness. And that wandering in the wilderness is symbolic of day by day, barely get by Christian living. No victories, no progress, nothing to show for it. That whole generation died off. First John chapter 5, verse 4. Look, see, what we're doing here is we're appropriating the promises of God. Whosoever is born of God... Well, that's me. I accepted Christ when I was 19, when I heard the gospel for the very first time at Flint Creek Baptist Church in Phillipsburg, Montana. Whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And there again, the faith comes from the word of God. In fact, that's Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you. Again, well, well, that's me. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I could drive by. I, I did recently. Out by Fairmont Hot Springs. I'd gotten saved led a buddy of mine to Christ that, who was a Jehovah Witness. We have contact again. And we were having Bible studies, uh, four of us, the two couples, and we memorized this verse. I, and I drove by, and I said, there's, there's the place where I, one of the first verses I memorized, there hath no temptation taken you, but such is his common demand. Huh. I'm facing these huge temptations. There's no way, no way I could be, vic- there hath no temptation taken you, but such is his common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted above that ye are able. So if I'm a 3.1 Christian on a scale of 1 to 10, whatever that would be, God will never allow me to be blasted by a 3.2 temptation. He will not have any temptation allowed in my life. And he will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape, also make a way to overcome it, to bear it up. <clears throat> wow, that's something God says about me. 
And so he appropriated the promises of God. Fourthly, he confessed his powerlessness. I love this. Verses 12 and 13. Jehoshaphat, you're the leader. You're the military leader. You're a political leader. You're the head of Judah. What do you got to say for yourself? O oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? Number one, we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. What kind of leader is this? We have no might. Neither know we what to do. I'll tell you what, if the verse ended there, that would be tragic. But it doesn't. We have no might. I have no strength of my own. I don't even know what to do. But look at the third one. You saw it already. But our eyes are upon you. Oh, oh, oh and then he, I like this too, in verse 13. And all Judah stood before the Lord and with their little ones, their wives, and their children. He lined up the families. And Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't have any strength. But our eyes are upon you, oh, and God. Our families are dependent on you too. Isn't that precious? Praise the Lord. Fifthly, he recognized his protection. In verse 14, it says, Jehaziel. And then it says, a, that came to the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. I skipped all those. I, I can pronounce those. I really can. If I did it now, I'd be shown off. Uh, you know why all those names are in there that go back about five generations? Neither do I, but I know it's inspired of God. <laughs> well, anyway, he came in the midst of the, the spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he came to the congregation, and he said this. Look at this. We're, they're recognizing their protection. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, and now King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. Look at, look at, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Wow. Tomorrow, when you go up against them, Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and you shall find them in the end of the valley before the wilderness of Jeruel. And you shall not need to fight in this battle. Is it any wonder that the New Testament tells us the natural man understandeth not the things of the Spirit, their foolishness to them? You shall not need to fight this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still. This would be a whole sermon in verse 17, you preachers. Stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. So he recognized that God was going to handle it. And what a, what a powerful verse, that this isn't even your battle. Be not afraid, verse 15, the second half, be not afraid or dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Folks, that's a truth for us. In 2020, the battle is not yours, but God's. So they recognize their protection. Uh, next, they began their preparation. How are you going to prepare for battle? I can see it. I'll, I'll write the commentary. They prepared for battle by sharpening their swords. They had Makaira, 
They had Omphiras, they had a great big broadsword, they had a little assassin's dagger, and get those things sharp and make sure that your coat of mail is, is in good shape and make sure you have your shield. Jehoshaphat, all right, we'll let you tell us how to prepare for battle. And this is good for them and it's good for us. And Jehoshaphat, verse 18, bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. That's how you prepare for battle. You worship the Lord. Nothing prepares for battle like worship. Verse 19, and the Levites. We know the Levites. These were the priests, the children of the Kohathites, the children of Korath that sat up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. What are you doing, Jehoshaphat, to prepare for battle? Well, we're worshiping the Lord and we're singing. <laughs> uh, be glad, and I'll say very, very little about this COVID stuff, but in a couple of states they've told people you cannot sing. Churches cannot sing. And that's a hard one. Someone said, well, that's, that's, that's still not telling us we can't preach the word. Well, singing's part of our worship. And it ought to be. So they're worshiping, they're worshiping, getting ready for battle. And let me tell you something, dear people. If you can kneel before God, you can stand before anything. If you can kneel before God, you can stand before anyone. Next, I want you to see that they determined to praise him. They're not just worshiping, and I've already led into this a little bit, but look at verse 20. And they rose early in the morning and went forth unto the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed praisers. You, you get the... The, the difficulty, the battle is coming. They're going to be wiped off the face of the earth. What are you doing, leader? Well, I'm worshiping. I'm appointing praisers. I'm appointing singers unto the Lord who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord. His mercy endureth forever. Verse 22, and when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set an ambush. The Lord set an ambush against the children of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, and were come against Judah, and they were smitten. Well, if that's not clear enough, we'll read on when we see that they enjoyed their provision. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of, of Mount Seir. Wait a minute. The bad guys and the bad guys stood up against the other bad guys? Yeah. <laughs> they, they turned on themselves utterly to destroy and slay them. And when they had made an end to the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped destroy another. We don't even see Judah in this battle. No need. And when Judah, <laughs> verse 24, 
And when Judah came forward at the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, there were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none had escaped. Now they're enjoying their provision. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil, it happened so quickly, you've got to kind of read it over. They, they showed up for battle, and the bad guys had killed each other, killed themselves. You see, what the devil meant to harm them, God used to bring his provision. Where do we see provision? Look at this. When Joseph, verse 25, Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil from them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies, precious jewels. You may not like the way this sounds, but this is what they did. Precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away, and they were three days in gathering the spoil. It was so much. I repeat. What the devil meant to harm them, God used to bring provision. Let's be sure we tie in before we quit here. Before, let's be sure we tie in verse 15 again. Don't be afraid for this multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Dear friends, when you face not just First Baptist of Columbia Falls, but the individuals of this church and your churches, when you face needs, establish a purpose. Don't just be floating through life. Review the past. God has never failed you. Appropriate his promises. Be in the book. Know the promises. Appropriate the promises. Confess your powerlessness. You can't do it. You're not strong enough. This is a special note for strong men and strong women. I can handle that. No, you can't. Recognize your protection. We're not praying from victory. Excuse me, we're not praying for victory. We're praying from victory. And then begin your preparation. Determine to praise him. And then enjoy his provisions. Dear Father, in our lives, we face various needs. There are many times when there are times of need. They may be huge we can appropriate these principles. They may not be as huge. They may not be as significant. And we can appropriate these principles. Father, I pray again for this church and for these people in Columbia Falls. Help them. We pray specifically for the servant leadership of this church. Guide them in their search. And we pray, dear Lord, for those who will be filling in during this time with Brother Dave and other people who love you and love people and will serve effectively. And then, Lord, lead them to the man of your choosing. Help these principles to be part of their lives as a church. But then, Lord, as individuals, too, in our own households, help these principles, help us to apply these principles. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.